Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. afternoon to you. I hope you're having a great day. Thanks for joining us on Sports for CLE. A little bit later in the show, we will be joined by John Fanta. We'll talk a little Cavs, a little Browns, a little USA basketball. Uh, but we're going to begin by talking Browns football uh, with Cleveland.com and Plain Dealer columnist Doug Lamarice. Uh, Doug, training camp uh, under two weeks away. It's hard, uh, hard to believe, but uh, they'll get going less than two weeks. What are you anticipating most at trading camp, what do you want to see? I think the defense coming together, seeing how these pieces fit. I would imagine Joe Woods is saying the same thing, right? Because so much has changed. You know, obviously the Greg Newsom, Greedy Williams battle at corner, I think is huge. I think you want to see Grant Delpit, how healthy he is, how ready to go is he? And then I think you just want to start moving the chess pieces around the board. And how does Jeremiah Wusu koromoa fit in? And how often are you going to have three safeties on the field? How often is Troy Hill going to be on the field at slot corner? Could he play outside sometimes? There's so much newness with the defense that, no offense, I mean, you know, Odell Beckham getting back to health is going to be a huge draw. People are going to be psyched to see Beckham on the field every day. But the rest of the offense is kind of wonderfully competently boring, right? All right, offensive line, great. Got the tight ends, Jarvis is Jarvis, two running backs. But the, the way the defensive pieces fit together, how the rotation at defensive tackle is going to be, I just think every day that we're at camp, that the fans are at camp, you're going to learn something new about the defense when I think the offense, you're pretty sure what they got. If you were forced to, to be able to watch only one thing or one guy for, a, for an extended period of time at training camp, who would it be and, and why? Who would, you, who would you have your eyes kind of glued on? I'm fascinated by what John Johnson III is going to do for this defense, but I think in a camp setting I might watch Greedy Williams because I, I want to know, is he a guy that they can – count on this year is he gonna help them this year how much is it gonna be that greg newsom's maybe gonna have to be the guy maybe because greedy's not quite himself yet after missing all of last year i just think the flexibility greedy williams doesn't have to save him but if he's good to go and he looks healthy and he looks you know, like a like a second-round draft pick that some people thought might go in the first round. If he looks like that, it just gives you so many options and such depth. And if for some reason you still have questions about Greedy, then all of a sudden it's like, all right, like Denzel, Greg, and Troy, like that's it. We we're, we got to roll with these guys. So so I really am, am fascinated by what Greedy Williams is going to give them. The other thing that, that I keep coming back to with that defense is there's so much versatility and flexibility. 
Joe Woods, in theory, will be able to dictate to the offense somewhat what they have to do by the type of defensive personnel he's able to use. You know, there's just there's, there's going to be snaps where, oh, okay, look, the offense is in 12 personnel. All right, Hooper and Njoku are both on the field. So who's on the field for the Browns? Is it three safeties? Is JOK on the field? Is Anthony Walker or Jacob Phillips on the field? Is Troy Hill out there? That I, I do agree with you that that you know they do have that ability, but so much of it is matchups. And you know, if an offense goes four wide, you know you just you have to put certain guys out there. But I don't even know how he's going to decide that. You know, like I don't exactly know. Even though we say three safeties a lot. I still don't know exactly how position, how Grant Delpit, Ronnie Harrison, and John Johnson III are going to be positioned. You know, who's going to be, you know, John Johnson can play deep. He can play coverage on a guy in the slot. Like, I just, how Joe Woods decides to do that, and the whole point is, like, it might look very different snap to snap, and we'll start and get an idea like, oh, yeah, there's like 11 different ways he can deploy his main group of guys snap to snap, and we'll start seeing it bit by bit in camp. All right, this one, we talked about this one, and, and we felt like it was made for you. Pro Football Focus has an 11-player Space Jam team with current NFL players. Now, on its uh, quarterback, Pat Mahomes, running back, Derrick Henry, wide receivers, Tariq Hill, DK Metcalf, Julio Jones, the defensive line, Miles Garrett, Aaron Donald, and Khalil Mack. And we have a picture that you can take a little bit of a look at it for you so it's uh you know the goon squad from space jam and you get a good look at miles garrett and aaron donald what do you think about the the defensive linemen there yeah i i think that's right right i mean we're just talking about like physical like rare physical dudes and i just think whenever you know if the aliens came down uh i would just have miles garrett start like jumping on top of boxes right and scare him off so like I, I he's he's such a rare guy and chase young is that is that kind of guy too right that you wonder it's these size speed flexibility you know nimbleness strength packages that miles garrett embodies you know that he just does things that doesn't make sense how he does them so i would have been angry you know you guys like it when i get mad on this show dave so i would have been angry if miles garrett wasn't on this squad because I, I want him on my team if it comes to that. So uh, there were some honorable mention guys, including um, Nick Chubb. A and this is kind of the rationale as to how they picked Nick Chubb um, as number two. Chubb would be uh, the RB2 if we had one. The only reason he's not the RB1 is that Derrick Henry seems to have some alien blood in him. So there you go. They had the rationale that you were thinking of, Doug, that uh, Derrick Henry is part alien as well. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. I mean, I don't even know. Chubb is Chubb is difficult because he's he is explosive, and we all know that, and and everybody thinks he's the best, maybe the best pure ball carrier in the league and that kind of thing. But I still think maybe again, like alien stuff, I might be going Saquon Barkley, right? That again, it's just sort of like a package of skills or Alvin Kamara that. And that's not a shot on Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb is very human to me, right? That that is, uh, he 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 doesn't necessarily. When you just look at him, I don't know that you're like, wow, that guy. But like, you give him the ball, and he does magical things because he 
works his butt off. So, um, so I like Nick Chubb the human, but I, I don't know that Nick Chubb has alien blood. Like Saquon Barkley might. That guy's just, again, is kind of freaky. All right, well, uh, we're to step aside and take a quick time out to think about that just a little bit. On the other side of the break, uh, we'll hear from Colin Coward. Uh, he's all over the place with the Browns' win total this year. We'll show you what we mean. Sports for CLE will be right back. Stay with us. Life is starting to get back on track, and you can too. If you or your family have experienced financial hardship as a result of COVID-19, Tri-Seek can help with full tuition assistance. Safely get the in-demand degree or training you need with online and on-campus classes. Go to trisc-edu to check out our programs and resources. So what are you waiting for? Register now for summer classes. Tri-C is where futures begin. When it comes to selling you a mattress, most retailers are handing you a line. A long line of extra steps that drive up costs and create confusion. At the Original Mattress Factory, we simplify the mattress shopping experience by building mattresses and box springs in our own local factories and selling them direct to you. It's short, sweet, and simply makes sense. So experience more than just a mattress store. Experience an original, the Original Mattress Factory. for CLE continues. We continue talking Browns football with Doug Lamarice. So, uh, longtime viewers will know we refer to Colin Coward sometimes as crazy Uncle Colin because he just says stuff. And he's at it again. Um, take a listen to his AFC predictions and the Browns win total. It changes a little bit. I think Baltimore and Cleveland at 11 and 6, the number feels right. They'll split the games they face one another. Um, and I feel pretty solidly about both. I think they're two of the top four teams, maybe top five teams in the AFC at Buffalo, Kansas City. Little tough at the top. I'll take Baltimore 11 and 6 over Cleveland 10 and 7, Steelers 8 and 9, Cincinnati 6 and 11. For the record, I think Cincinnati will be a very competitive 6 and 11. I think it's a pretty tough division. I took Baltimore over Cleveland for a couple reasons. One, I feel that Baltimore has a quarterback who's won 80% of his games. He keeps getting better every year. I feel they were a really good team that just added pieces that fit in nicely and seamlessly. With Cleveland, I'm a little worried that the movie poster, OBJ, Clowney, is better than the movie itself. They've got a new secondary. I think they could be choppy a little bit in September. Uh, in April, Sheldon Richardson, a very good interior lineman, was a cap casualty. They bring in Clowney who, again, can be explosive but disappears in big games. Sheldon Richardson is a man. He's gone. I don't love that. 
Again, this could be an amendment. I want to see the preseason. The Browns have the best offensive line in football, and it is hard not to make the playoffs with the best offensive line in football, and it's no joke. It, 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 is, it may not be as good as Dallas about five years ago where you got three Hall of Famers, but it is good. So, And I don't buy Pittsburgh. The offensive line now has regressed badly. Uh, well, they got a bunch of good defensive players. They've had that for 10 years. They've, they've had a good defense for 10 years. That's never the issue. Can they get their act going offensively? That's the AFC North. Doug, there are some fair points there, but how'd they lose the game? It was like within the span of a week, they lost a game. Well, he was asleep for the first one. <laughs> why, if you have a big fancy show that's on TV and radio, then why are you like in your pajamas doing Instagrams or whatever? I don't even know what that is. I don't think, like, is that extra content that people need? It's like, oh, I just woke up. Uh, Browns will win like 10 games. I don't know. Um, I mean, he's a very professional broadcaster. He didn't even shave for that one. Yeah. I, I always shave for you, Dave. I mean, like, that's just part of being on, on the show, man. Um, so I don't know. I mean, that's the thing. I, I do think you have to be consistent in your picks. I, I don't yell. I mean, I remind all of our pickers, like on Ohio State and stuff, it's like, when you're going on radio shows and whatever, it's like whatever you say somewhere, that's your pick. Right. You can't pick Ohio State to beat somebody by 21 on a radio show in Nebraska, and then when we pick it on Cleveland.com, you pick them to win by 35. It's like your pick's your pick. So I do always reserve the right, like, this is what we say now. People want picks. It's fun. It's what we do. Yep. It's entertainment. But once you see camp and stuff, and once you've gathered more information, you can say, you know what? I'm changing what I think. That's just being smart. But um, I think he was just asleep. I just, I think he was, not, it might have been a dream state so, for the first one. So that was like the midnight pick, like when he was going to the, going to the refrigerator to get something to eat at like midnight, put on the thing and do the, do the pick before he had to turn on to the Browns, not as good as everybody thinks shtick. Is that, is that what we, yeah. is that what we got there? And he woke up and he was like, oh, wait, wait, that's that thing I do. What's the thing I do yeah. where I always think the Browns stink and I have to rip them. Yeah. Um, Listen, I just think like 10 and 7, um, that's like a lot going wrong, yeah. I think. You know, like it's – it's, and it's one of those things. It's like when when you're now – the analysis of like, well, they have a lot of new good players, and I don't know how they're going to play together. It's like, yeah, <laughs> getting all those good players, that really screws a team up, doesn't it? So, I don't know. I, they, they, re, they overhauled that defense that let, you know, Ben Roethlisberger throw for 600 yards in a loss, but uh, – Boy, you know, they're going to regress. All right, we'll get back to win totals here in a minute. But now, NFL uh, experts predict division winners Bleacher Report. And uh, two of the three have the Browns winning the AFC North. The other has the Ravens. And Again, I, th I think you can make a case for either of those teams, but the majority of them go with the Browns. Do you see that? And I'm going to make you pick a win total, but let's talk about uh, two of three going with the Browns to win the North. Yeah, I, don't, I haven't studied the Ravens' schedule enough to know where I think, like, they have some tough spots coming up. Um, I do think the Browns' schedule is manageable. They have – they play a lot of good, like – they play a lot of, like, like, mediocre teams, I think, right? So, like, like, oh, like, you know, it's not walkovers, but I think it's games they should win. And so, again, I think when you look at sort of the way the Browns looked in the playoffs versus the way the Ravens looked in the playoffs. I, I like the Browns more. The Ravens did lose some stuff, lost some pass rush guys. You know, we know they added Bateman and they're, they've improved the receiver room. They'll use JK Dobbins more, but I think the Browns have a better roster. Like I don't, I don't, I don't even know if 
like John Harbaugh would dispute that. I think like one through 45, I think the Browns are better. Now, you know, the Ravens have been there more. Mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson's been an MVP. Like if you're just betting on Lamar Jackson, just like carrying the Ravens at times and a step up from J.K. Dobbins, I get that. But I'm picking the Browns to win that division. And I think they have more good players than the Ravens. That's not the same thing as being the better team. I, I do. We mm-hmm. that's yeah. obvious, but I think the Browns have more good players. Yeah. And, and you know, again, the, the Ravens are a really good team. Uh, they're going to be a factor just like the Browns will in, in the AFC. All right. So I, it, it, and I, I was going to couch it this way and you mentioned it before. So before training camp, so a pre training camp thought, when you look at the Browns roster, what do you think the win total is? And I have one in mind as well, but I'll let you go first. Yeah, I'm at 12 or 13. I mean, it's like, I do think, like, I think they're like a perfect, like, 12 and 14, except you can't be 12 and 4 anymore. So I think they'll be 12 and a half and 4 and a half. So that's... <laughs> you're calling that's a tie already? Or... Wow, you're calling yeah. for a tie. Yeah. God. <laughs> no ties. Please, no ties. So, um... You know, I think 12 and 5 or 13 and 4. It's like, it's really hard. It's like, you know what? I think the Browns are going to go 16 and 1. Like, how can you? Nobody can actually say that. So there's only so high you can go. So if you're willing to go to 13 and 4, I mean, can you really predict the Browns to win 14 games? Like, I don't really think you can. So I think a lot of people are going to wind up at 13 or 12 because I think, like, once you get down to 10, you know, and even like 11, it's like, well, that's fewer games than they won last year. And don't we think they're better at like, nine positions than they were a year ago and the schedule I don't think is more markedly more difficult so I think you have to count on some record improvement that just makes sense to me but you don't want to go nuts so I think 12 and 13 12 or 13. Yeah I'm, I'm at the 11 or 12 range I think the, the only games that I think are really going to be difficult for them to win beating Kansas City is going to be really tough beating Green Bay and Lambeau on Christmas night, assuming Aaron Rodgers stays there, is going to be tough. Sweeping the Ravens is going to be tough. So there's three. And then, you know, the other thing I would say is there's just going to be one or two games where you just don't play well and you lose. That's that's what happens. Even good teams don't play well certain weeks and lose. So that's that's the way I arrive at, uh, you know, 12 and 5-ish. No, I think that's right. And I also think it's reasonable for a team like the Browns to say maybe there'll be a game you don't expect them to lose, but I also think they'll win a game you don't expect them to win, right? So it's like, I don't think they're going to win at Kansas City. I'm going to end up saying that a hundred times between now and the start of the season, but maybe they will sweep Baltimore. Maybe they'll go to Lambeau on Christmas and stick it to the Packers. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I think there are those opportunities as well. You know, like the, you know, the game in the Freddie kitchen seasons when they go to Baltimore and just like absolutely take care of business. Like I do think, I think there is a game for the Browns to like really put the league on alert, you know, that, that like, yeah, this is not just like beat the mediocre teams. This is like, we're as good as anybody. And so you balance out some of that. And I, I, I think you wind up at 12 or 13. Yep. I would agree. Doug Lamarice and I are going to step aside, take a quick time out on the other side of the break. We're going to get a look at uh, a Nick Chubb workout. We'll also take a look at some pro football focus superlatives for the running back class. Sports for CLE. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Better days are ahead. Be ready with the training you'll need to get a great job. 
If you or your family has experienced financial hardship as a result of COVID-19, Tri-C can help with full tuition assistance. Whether you want to improve your skills, get certified, or train for a new career, go to tri-c.edu to check out our programs and resources. So what are you waiting for? Register now for online and on-campus summer classes. Tri-C is where futures begin. When it comes to selling you a mattress, most retailers are handing you a line, a long line of extra steps that drive up costs and create confusion. At the Original Mattress Factory, we simplify the mattress shopping experience by building mattresses and box springs in our own local factories and selling them direct to you. It's short, sweet, and simply makes sense. So experience more than just a mattress store. Experience an original, the Original Mattress Factory. COVID-19 has changed how we show up and show out with our family. Now it's time to take the first step that lets us get back to talking smack with the side of mac and cheese. Before we can safely come together, we need the facts. As COVID-19 vaccines become available, you may have questions. Should I get it? Is it safe? Should I wait? It's smart to question. Now, get the facts at GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision when vaccines are available to you. Welcome back to Sports for CLE. We continue talking Browns with Doug Lamarice from the Plain Dealer in Cleveland.com. And Doug, earlier you mentioned that Nick Chubb was human. Let's take a look at one of his workouts and still think if uh, see if you think that way. Go, posture. Come on, come on, let's go. It is. Doug, I notice you're not there spotting him. That's 600 pounds. He's squatting. You see the guy, the shirtless guy, come in right from the side at the end? That's the guy I related to. It's like walking around shirtless with the weight belt on. It's like, oh, I can I can do the bar. It's like a 40-pound bar. Uh, that's me. If someone could please Photoshop my head onto that guy, that is me. You keep showing me these every show. I don't know if you do it to every other guest. Every show, I have to watch some ripped dude work out i am gonna take my shirt off on this show eventually <laughs> one day that's what you will get me to but that's a, that's a powerful that's a powerful dude yeah right i mean that is um it's one of those things it's like oh how does nick chubb break tackles it's like that yeah. try to tackle that and and the power that these guys have in their lower body um in their you know to it, it just it you really understand um that's like that's break a tackle in the fourth quarter work yeah. right there yeah. Yeah, yeah so when it happens we can reference this he he is squatting semis there so i mean he's uh he he's doing his work right there so pro football focus um running back superlatives power they give it to uh derrick henry receiving christian mccaffrey home run hitter saquon barkley red zone threat dalvin cook speed raheem mostert breakout player antonio gibson and the most elusive nick chubb so we have seen uh, him squat 600 pounds. In addition to that, he's pretty elusive, or the most elusive running back uh, in the NFL, according, according to Pro Football Focus. Yeah, you're just not going to beat Derrick Henry in any kind of power thing, just because he's his shoulders are so wide and he's so he's just a different, different shaped running back, right? I mean, nobody looks like Derrick Henry when they run. 
But I do think there are times, so Nick Chubb is that, right? I mean, Nick Chubb is, we know what he does well. It's not, would he be first in line to give it to somebody on third and one at the goal line? No, probably not. I definitely would give it to Derrick Henry, but there's a certain kind of play where you get Nick Chubb out in space and he's either going to, yeah, run through tackles or run around tackles in a way that that nobody else in the league can do. Um, but I do think it's a reminder, like whenever you have like these power conversations, I'm guilty of this myself. The fact that Kareem Hunt exists in Cleveland is a great thing for Nick Chubb. It's a great thing for the Browns. It takes, it doesn't require Nick Chubb to carry the ball 30 times a game. But we have to remind ourselves that in 2019, like Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb basically had the same year. Derrick Henry carried it 303 times for 1540. Nick Chubb carried it 298 times for 1494. Henry was 5.1 yards per carry. Chubb was five yards per carry. Like if, if Kareem Hunt was on the Titans, I think people might think that Nick Chubb is like the most powerful, toughest back in the league because Kareem Hunt would be spelling Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry has to take every carry for the Titans. So I think sometimes we forget that if the Browns wanted Nick Chubb to be Derrick Henry, I, he could be. He has been. They just don't need him to be that because Kareem Hunt's here, and that's better for everybody. But again, I am at times guilty of not thinking of Nick Chubb in quite the same category as Derrick Henry when it comes to like just absolutely carrying the load when, when absolutely Nick Chubb has done it and could do it if Kareem Hunt wasn't here. Yeah, and you know what? long-term for both of them, I think it's better that, that you share that. You, if you can extend both of their careers by an extra three or four years by minimizing the wear and tear, everybody wins. Derrick Henry's a great player. We've seen, everybody knows, I mean, we've seen some of these backs just with incredibly high usage rates. You know, Larry Johnson in Kansas City, Priest Holmes in Kansas City, Christian Okoyo in Kansas City, right? There's a lot of those guys and these other guys over the years where you, they get, they just absolutely are like a one-man offense for like three or four years, and then it's kind of gone. And I, I hope that doesn't happen to Derrick Henry. He's a rare player, and maybe he can do it for 10 years. But I, I'll take the Browns' way. And it's why paying Kareem Hunt, the very reasonable rate they have him at, and then also paying Nick Chubb is a worthwhile investment for the way this team is working right now. Because as you said, I think the presence of both of them is extending their shelf life in an individual season, you know, in the fourth quarter of a game, in game 17 of a season, in the playoffs, and then in their career. I would agree without question. All right, so uh, we have been looking at ESPN.com's rankings of different positions based on uh, front office, executive, coaches, rankings. Uh, everybody kind of votes on it. So uh, today the tight ends. Uh, top tight end, George Kittle, second, Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller's third, Mark Andrews fourth, TJ Hawkinson, young guy from the Lions, is fifth. Austin Hooper was an honorable mention. And um, we have an NFC scout who said this about Hooper. Solid and dependable, good hands, limits mistakes. Great for the Browns offense, not a guy who takes you out of your game plan. So um, as you look at that, that description to me, Doug, kind of says – it's kind of like when somebody tells you, yeah, there's this girl and she's got a great personality I want you to meet. People have said that about me. <laughs> that's, that's how I was introduced to uh, on dates. Oh, this guy's he talks a lot. Um, 
So listen, I do think we judge Austin Hooper by his contract and he's not as good as his contract, right? Whatever, 10 million a year, whatever it is. But they had to get a tight end for Kevin Stefanski. Harrison Bryant was a rookie. You weren't sure what you had in David and Joku. Like they had to do that. So if you try to constantly judge Austin Hooper by his contract, you're going to be disappointed because he's whatever rank in salary and he's not that rank in ability. So what they said about Hooper, he never is going to be like more than like the fourth best option on the field, you know, behind Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry and Nick Chubb. So he does, you don't have to change your game plan for Austin Hooper. That's okay. So I, I they, but as much as he at times feels replaceable, if you didn't have him, all of a sudden, you could very quickly start feeling like, hey, Kevin Stefanski doesn't have the tight ends he needs. So somebody was going to get that tight end money for the Browns, from the Browns with the cap space they had, with the need they had. But on the list of like meaningless things that Kevin Stefanski might want to accomplish this year, way under win the Super Bowl, to have a Browns tight end be in the top 10 on that list a year from now, I'm sure Kevin Stefanski wants a top 10 tight end and he wants to give somebody an opportunity to prove they, they deserve to be that and be ranked that way. So maybe that could be Hooper this year. Maybe it could be David and Joku, but I think, you know, in an ideal world, Kevin Stefanski wants a guy who, who does make defenses, you know, change their plan. But I don't think they have to have Austin Hooper do that, like in order to win the Super Bowl this year. The other thing I would say is that tight end and quarterback getting to know each other, the, the second sense, sixth sense, whatever you want to call it, I think that probably suffered more than most last year with no preseason, no training camp, none of that. So, so I would expect Hooper and Baker Mayfield to develop a little bit of a, a better chemistry given that they're going to go through you know, training camp and, and those kind of things this year. I think that, that hurt. Um, Austin Hooper, probably as much as anybody with Baker Mayfield last year. No, I think that makes sense. I mean, the reason everybody talks about Rashard Higgins and every time we talk about him is because like, oh, he and Baker are on the same page. He and Baker are on the same page. And like, there are other guys on this roster, you know, Odell Beckham, still Austin Hooper, who just haven't had the chance to really, to really do that yet. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just, you know, the, the Falcons really used Hooper in a specific way. And I think kind of inflated his stats a little bit and he was good. You know, he got opportunities and he was good, but sometimes you got to do this. Like, I think the Browns probably knew they were overpaying him, right? Like they were fingers crossed. He's a top 10 guy, but you just, you just kind of had to do that in the moment. And then once you get your roster set, then you don't have to reach. Cause early on when Andrew Barry's coming in and you have a new coach, like, Hey, we got to get some guys that fit what we're doing now. Cause before we weren't building to this. Now, once they're built to the Andrew Barry, Kevin Stefanski specifications, you don't wind up doing that anymore because you're going to draft guys and you're going to do other things that you have a constant plan. And maybe Harrison Bryant is the most likely guy on this roster to make a top 10 tight end list someday. But Hooper, in that moment, they had to do what they did, and I get it. So CBS Sports has um, each and every team's uh, underrated player on the verge of a big payday for the Browns. This one's not a surprise. Wyatt Teller. What do you think? I mean, it's one of these things. It's like, what does underrated mean? I think PFF rated him as the best guard in the NFL last year. So I don't, I mean, like, I guess he's probably underrated. If you asked an NFL fan in Miami or Seattle, like, 
hey, do you know who Wyatt Teller is? They probably don't, but they probably don't know who any guard is outside of Quentin Nelson. So I do think he's on the verge of a big payday. And we've talked about that a lot. We talked about it on our Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I know we talk about it here. He just feels like the guy to me that might price himself out because they have a really good offensive line here and he can get signed by somebody else to go be the best offensive lineman on another team. And I just don't know that you're going to have to find the spots. And we've talked about it. Like they just have to develop Nick Harris or Drew Forbes or somebody, James Hudson is as guard or something. This is where you just have to develop a guy that, that isn't as good as Wyatt Teller, but that you can still win with and who's a lot cheaper. And I just think Wyatt Teller came out of nowhere. He was a bonus, whatever. He traded a fifth round pick for him or for whatever it was. So it's like, it's all gravy. Everything he's given them has been bonus stuff. So not that that necessarily should affect whether you pay him or not, but like, I think you just got to celebrate, man. Again, this is one of John Dorsey's best moves. You get some really like three good years out of this guy. And then he's going to go make a boatload of money, but it's not going to make sense for the Browns to pay him. Doug Lamarus, columnist from Cleveland.com, as well as the Plain Dealer, and I going to step aside, take a quick time out. On the other side of the break, we'll take a look at what Mac Wilson is doing and also college reunions we'd like to see happen according to Bleacher Report. Sports for CLE will be right back. Stay with us. continue talking Browns football with Doug Lamarice from the Plain Dealer and Cleveland.com. Mac Wilson, uh, without question, an important training camp coming up in uh, under two weeks. Wilson is getting ready for it as well. Doug, this looks like another one that you could really hurt yourself uh, doing that workout with the medicine ball and the boxing. That wasn't a balloon. That was a medicine ball. <laughs> it was a medicine ball. Probably, not, probably about 20 pounds, not, something like that. No, I'm not I'm not doing that. If it's if it's inflated with helium, I could try it. Uh, obviously, though, a uh, serious note, important um, training camp for Mac Wilson. He's got to show that he belongs on this roster. Well, I, you know, I know Mary Kay Cabot talked about this, being out at, at some of the things they did this spring, um, that Mac Wilson was kind of on the hip of Anthony Walker trying to absorb stuff. And it really is a reminder of w- what this front office did with bringing in Anthony Walker. And listen, you know, they had some veteran guys last year too, but Mal- and Malcolm Smith's a veteran guy. But like if Anthony Walker, who everybody, Darius Leonard loved, everybody in Indy acknowledged was like just a really, the kind of guy you want in your locker room. And with the, the young linebackers they have, and Mac Wilson, again, isn't that young anymore, but he still is trying to find his way in the league. 
if you just let Sione Takitaki and Mac Wilson and Jacob Phillips and Jeremiah Wusukoromoa like just hang out with Anthony Walker, and and how do you read stuff on the field? How do you handle your, yourself off the field? Um, you know, that would be a great story if like Mac Wilson jumps up three levels and it's like, you know, I just followed Anthony Walker and did what he did and it made me five times better as a football player. I think it's a long shot for that to happen, frankly. Like, I, I think it's a great story that it feels like Mac Wilson knows what's up and, like, it's kind of go time or he maybe isn't going to be a long-term Brown. And I just think when you look at the other pieces, I'm not exactly sure how his future fits here. But if you go out and show it in camp and you show it out in the season, then you make a place for yourself. So that's the kind of thing. I mean, like, that's – I would. I think all Browns fans would love to see what the best of Mac Wilson really looks like, but I still think it might be an uphill battle. Yeah, I uh, I would tend to agree. All right. So this is according to Browns Nation. Two things that will happen uh, to the Browns if they don't live up to the hype in 2021. They have OBJ traded, and somebody is getting fired. <laughs> and, you know, by, by living up to the hype, I would assume it's if they don't make the playoffs. And, and I would uh, kind of agree those are two possible consequences. You're H-wording me again, man. Like the, H, the H-word, I know other people are H-worded. I am not H-worded. So, I mean, I, like, I, I understand off-season content, and we all do it. We all do it. I get it. But, it's like, what does that even mean? It's like, oh, if a team is bad, what's going to happen? It's like, I don't know. Things will change. So, I don't, you know, I don't even know if they would trade Odell. I just think maybe Odell, like, wouldn't be back. I think they might be awesome, and Odell might not be back. And, like, I actually don't agree. Like, who's going to get fired? Like, I don't even I, I don't even understand the question. And that's okay. But, like, what do you mean? Like, if you go 3-14? and 14? Okay. But, like, what? If you kind of go not – like, I don't – why? who are you going to fire? You're firing Andrew Barry? Andrew Barry's not getting fired for, like, if, the, if it's a little bit of a rough year. You're going to fire Kevin Stefanski? You're going to fire Joe Woods? I guess if the defense has a bunch of great players and it stinks – then I guess maybe you fire the coordinator. But, like, I don't agree with that anymore. And I know that that's what the Browns have done forever. You have a bad year and you fire somebody. But they haven't been coming off the playoffs before. They haven't had a roster like this before. And sometimes good teams have weird years. So I actually would push back, like, moderately strongly on the somebody is getting fired. Because who's the somebody? Me? Maybe me. <laughs> Maybe me. I'm saying the Browns are going to go 13 and four. If they're eight and nine, Cleveland.com is going to punt me. That I agree with. <laughs> but I don't know that Jimmy Haslam would have an itchy trigger finger on that because I, I don't think even if if it if you, they don't live up to the H word, I, I don't think that means you tear it down because there's real stuff happening here. All right, that, that's fair enough. All right, college reunions we want to see happen. Uh, first one, Jadavian Clowney and Stefan Gilmore, South Carolina teammates. Gilmore could be available. And then um, one for the future, we'll let you talk about as well, Justin Fields and Garrett Wilson, who will be likely headed to the NFL next year. So what do you make of those? I, I actually, uh, I think I like uh, Justin Fields' Chris Olave a little more than I like Justin Fields' Garrett Wilson. Um Fields is clearly going to take over at some point. He should start from week one in Chicago. I don't know if he will. They're saying all kinds of weird stuff that coaches say. It's like, oh, I don't know. We drafted this guy to save the franchise, but maybe Andy Dalton. 
I mean, like, I'm very interested. I hope Justin Fields is starting in Chicago by week three when the Bears come to Cleveland. But uh, he and Chris Olave, I think, had a real connection. And um, the Bears need receiver help. I think Garrett Wilson is maybe more explosive. I think Chris Olave might be sort of more of a complete receiver. So I could see, I, I would kind of prefer that. But it's going to be very possible because I think when you look at the future of the Bears, what they need, I think they do need receiver help. And it's very possible that the first two receivers off the board in next year's NFL draft will be Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave in some order. And, and, and you know, generally speaking, it like would not surprise me if one of them winds up as a Chicago Bear. Uh, I didn't even know where Stefan Gilmore went to college. So um, that's on me. But it's all, you know, people, we love the Odell Jarvis stuff, right? I mean, we do. We get into it when it's like these guys are reunited. So I'm not saying no to that. All right. Before we let you go, you, you have a new podcast, College Football Playoff Podcast. Tell us about it. Tell where, where you can listen to it, what you have uh, going on with that as well. Yeah, so being on two podcasts wasn't enough. People said we need Doug talking more. So I'm on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Sometimes I host our Buckeye Talk podcast five days a week about the Ohio State Buckeyes. And wherever you find those podcasts, we now have the college football playoff show with Doug LaMaurice. And did I insist my name be in the title? Yeah, I did. You can find that wherever you find podcasts. We are covering national college football. Each week we talk about the playoff which teams deserve to be in the playoff discussion. And then we rank every playoff contender in a different category. The first week was, should Texas A&M be in the playoff discussion? And we rank the playoff contenders by who has the easiest path to the playoff. It's not just me. I have a great co-host named Shahan Jeharaja. He's from Texas. So even if you don't like me, and I know you're out there, I know some of you, that Doug guy, Shahan is great. So try it for him, the college football playoff show. All right, Doug Maurice from The Plain Dealer and uh, Cleveland.com and the College Football Playoff Show as well. We're going to step aside and take a quick time out. Doug, as always, appreciate the time and the insight. Uh, on the other side of the break, we will welcome in John Fanta. We'll talk some more Browns. We'll also get into some basketball with John Fanta. Sports for CLE. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Life is starting to get back on track, and you can too. If you or your family have experienced financial hardship as a result of COVID-19, Tri-Seek can help with full tuition assistance. Safely get the in-demand degree or training you need with online and on-campus classes. Go to trisee-edu to check out our programs and resources. So what are you waiting for? Register now for summer classes. Tri-C is where futures begin. As the COVID-19 vaccines become available, you might be asking yourself, should I get it? And if I do, will I be able to go about life without putting my family at risk? You've got questions, and that's normal. The fact is, the vaccines are safe and effective. They're going to save lives. To get the latest on the COVID-19 vaccines, visit GetVaccineAnswers.org. Because getting back to the moments we miss starts with getting informed. It's up to you.
Welcome back to Sports for CLE. We continue talking Browns football. So just juice from Jarvis Landry. The episode number two dropped in it. Uh, Bernie Kosar was talking about building champions and what he saw from Baker Mayfield and Jarvis Landry. Absolutely honored and humbled to be thrown out the first pitch today. But what we're doing and what Jarvis is doing here today, what Baker's doing, showing, hitting those home runs and stuff, but the shirts we're wearing about building winners, if it couldn't be a better message that Jarvis and the current Cleveland Browns players are showing in our not only our football team, but here in the community of building winners within themselves and building winners here today and building winners here in Northeastern Ohio. Let's welcome in John Fanta. John, uh, Bernie Kosar endorsing the work of two noted Browns players uh, from this era. Yeah, Dave, and that means something in Cleveland, that is for sure. Thanks for having me on. Bernie Kosar is revered. He is the standard, right? Well, Bernie Kosar, the same man that you saw there at Classic Park talking about Jarvis Landry and Baker Mayfield, I was looking back at the last couple of years, different news pieces that had Bernie quoted and in March of 2020 Bernie Kosar said that Baker Mayfield needed to become a better leader he needed to take the next step in his career frankly he called Baker Mayfield out publicly saying that it was time for Mayfield to put up and that's exactly what Baker Mayfield has done Bernie Kosar's words matter and he is looked at as the guy when it comes to Cleveland Browns alumni, the popularity speaks for itself. And for him to come out and say those things about Baker Mayfield and Jarvis Landry speaks volumes because Bernie Kosar knows what winning looks like. And he has not been afraid to say what needs to be said before when talking about the Cleveland Browns. And that's why he's respected in the town. He can get away with just about anything. So when he gives that praise, it says a lot about the Browns' current leaders and the setup here for the 2021 season. All right, so we're going to move on. Clutch Points has three cut candidates on the roster bubble for the Browns. Running back, Dearness Johnson. Defensive back, Sheldrick Redwine. Linebacker, Malcolm Smith. Uh, which of those three do you think um, are in trouble? Do you think all three of them are going to have an uphill battle to make the roster? I think that all three have an uphill battle, but I would zone in on Sheldrick Redwine as the biggest concern area. Redwine's going to have to prove himself in training camp because, frankly, some of these numbers stand out, and when you combine the fact that the Browns have really, really built up the back line in their defense – it might mean that Sheldrick Redwine is left out. Think about this. He was third on the Browns in missed tackles last season, and he played the least amount of snaps that he has in his professional career at roughly 25%. And when you consider the fact that this Cleveland Browns team has added in John Johnson, Troy Hill, Richard LeCount, Greg Newsom, and what they have coming back, we haven't even talked about Grant Delpit, now being uh, available, and they, the Browns hope he will be a vital part of this defense. I think that Redwine is the guy that could end up on the cut line because 
even though the Browns are thin still a little bit at safety, I still think that there's four guys that you could put ahead of Sheldrick Redwine. And I'm not sure if the Browns are carrying a fifth there. I think when you combine the additions that they've made with guys that weren't healthy last year now coming back, and the fact that Redwine is not a good tackler, Dave, he might be the odd man out. The most curious situation of those three, in my opinion, is Dearness Johnson, because Dearness Johnson has shown us real capabilities from time to time for this Cleveland Browns team. But with Demetri Felden now in the fold, the UCLA back, who proved in college the kind of receiver that he could be, it might be Felden who takes over ahead of Johnson, and the Browns might bet on Felden's potential there. We shall see. I think the writing might be on the wall, though, with Sheldrick Redwine the most. All right. Um, what position groups, and let's include special teams as a position group here, concern you the most um, for the Browns training camp? Which ones do you, do you need to see um, improvement to believe? Well, do I get concerned with the visual of the Browns going down the field in a tie game? with the Kansas City Chiefs in week one and, and relying on the foot of Cody Parkey at Arrowhead Stadium. I think for all Browns followers, it's an area of, okay, Cody Parkey's shown us he could do it, but he, he's going to have to actually do it. And there have been times where there's been uncertainty with the special teams. And the special teams needs to take another leap here heading into this upcoming season. They have to be better in key areas. But the question is, which group concerns me the most? I'm still concerned about the Browns linebacker core. The fact is, pro football focus has put the Browns in the bottom 10 of the league in terms of their linebackers. And the main reason for that is, look, linebacker core was not good last year. And while Jeremiah Owusu-Koromora is expected to change that and to be that guy, the fact that you are expecting Jeremiah Wusakoramara to be that guy is a lot on his shoulders for a rookie season. Shouldering that load could be a tall task and a tough transition process. And I do think that the Browns have made some good additions in their linebacker core. Um, Anthony Walker being one of them, a guy who, who should be a leader and at that middle linebacker slot has tallied up the tackles over the recent years and has been consistent and is a veteran presence. It's the only talkie-talkie. Some of the metrics check out in some areas, but in pass coverage and in covering the middle, at times there have been some flawed areas in his skill set. The Browns are relying on Jeremiah Wusukoromora to be that guy that steps in here, is a starter, and is shouldering the load. In the event that they deal with any injuries in their linebacker core, that's where I get very concerned, and I think it's a lot to put on the shoulders of a rookie still. So while I feel much better about the Browns' back line and their secondary and their pass coverage, and you have to feel good about their defensive line and the additions they've made there, I still wonder about this linebacker group and how they're going to pan out, particularly in pass coverage over the middle. John Fanta and I are going to step aside, take a quick time out, so we will shift our focus from football to basketball. Uh, one of the USA basketball players won't be going to Tokyo. That means roster spot is open. Could a Cavs step in? We'll talk about, about that. Sports for CLE will be right back. Stay with me. 
Better days are ahead. Be ready with the training you'll need to get a great job. If you or your family has experienced financial hardship as a result of COVID-19, try seeking help with full tuition assistance. Whether you want to improve your skills, get certified, or train for a new career, go to try-c.edu to check out our programs and resources. So what are you waiting for? Register now for online and on-campus summer classes. Tri-C is where futures begin. When it comes to selling you a mattress, most retailers are handing you a line, a long line of extra steps that drive up costs and create confusion. At the Original Mattress Factory, we simplify the mattress shopping experience by building mattresses and box springs in our own local factories and selling them direct to you. It's short, sweet, and simply makes sense. So experience more than just the mattress store. Experience an original, the Original Mattress Factory. First, they said cigarettes were safe. We know how that turned out. Now, they say they didn't market e-cigarettes to teens? Fact, more than one in four high school students are vaping, and 80% say their first e-cigarette was flavored. Vaping is harmful to developing brains. The reason we think vaping is safe? Marketing. Same lies, different day. Tell Big Vape to quit lying. Welcome back to Sports for CLE. We're going to shift our focus, talk a little bit of basketball with John Fanta. So, John, Bradley Beal um, is out with the uh, Olympic team, not going to go to Tokyo. Now, the Olympic team, the national team, has uh, promoted three guys from the select team, among them Darius Garland, Sadiq Bey, and Keldon Johnson. So they, they promoted those three to go through the exhibition uh, season and, and ramp up. Do you think one of those three has a chance to take Beal's spot on the roster? Who do you think may uh, move into that spot on the U.S. Olympic team roster now that Bradley Beal is not going? Dave, I think it should be Darius Garland. Darius Garland is the only one of those three players, uh, Kelton Johnson of the Spurs, who played and plays for Greg Popovich in San Antonio. So there's a familiarity factor there. And Sadiq Bey, uh, a young, rising talent just coming off a solid rookie season. But when you look at what Darius Garland did this past year, the fact that he has some added experience, the fact that he's the only one of those three guys that I just mentioned that have played in all three of Team USA's exhibition games, and the ball handling aspect that Garland can bring to a team, six assists per game last year in the NBA, uh, somebody who I think is in the position to take on this role. Garland's been training with the group. He presents the most explosiveness of the three players that are on uh, this this team from the select squad, Johnson and Bay being the others. So I think that Darius Garland has to be the leader in the clubhouse right now for Greg Popovich and his staff to go to. And I think that for Darius Garland, it could be an invaluable, invaluable opportunity for him to play on Team USA. It could be the next boost for his career just to have this opportunity. But I think that his skill set, his talent, and the minutes that he has gotten of the three guys that would be the most likely options, uh, Darius Garland, it looks like he might be the natural fit here to replace Bradley Beal. 
Yeah, that'd be a huge, uh, huge thing for him uh, at such a young age as well. All right, let's uh, let's kind of shift our focus a little bit to the Cavs. Would you trade Colin Sexton? And, and what about the, the the thought that the Cavs are exploring the opportunity to potentially move up um, and, and get that number one pick? Also, some some chattering, and again, it's smokescreen season. I know that that uh, the Pistons like. Uh, Jalen Green a little bit more than Cade Cunningham. What do you make of all that? Okay. Uh, would I trade for the number one pick if I were the Cavaliers? Hell yes. <laughs> I absolutely would make that trade. Absolutely. Cade Cunningham is the consensus number one pick, and it is smokescreen season. I don't buy the Pistons thoughts that they might like Jalen Green for a second. That is a smokescreen. There is no doubt in my mind that it is. In my opinion, Cade Cunningham is the clear-cut best prospect in this draft. He showed us last year, with not much help, by the way, down at Oklahoma State, not common for the top player in the country to play at Oklahoma State. We're used to seeing Duke. We're used to seeing Kentucky. That being said, I think that it reflected at times Cade's assist total could have been even higher at Oklahoma State. His court vision is next level. His balance and thought process between passing the basketball and knowing when to score it, I think, is clearly pro-ready. So many times last year, Cade Cunningham got double teamed. And so many times last year, he fought right through it. He still delivered. He made the right plays. Look, Jalen Green is a quality scorer and faced former pros for G League Ignite this past year, and he proved to us the kind of scoring option he can be in the NBA. The fact is, Colin Sexton could very well be in a package here in a trade that the Cavaliers make. I don't think that the Pistons are going to trade out of the number one pick. I think they've got that pick made, and they might put up a smoke screen. They might float some things out to see what kind of value they could get. I don't think the Detroit Pistons would be smart at all by taking any offer uh, unless it was one that you absolutely cannot pass on. And I don't think Sexton, the protected first round and the number three overall, is even enough for what the Pistons have as an opportunity at number one. But I do think that the Cavs should draft a guard at number three. Uh, I've, I've said that before on this very show. And I think that Colin Sexton is a good player. But I don't think that Colin Sexton is one of the three best players on a playoff NBA team. And that's why I think the value for Colin Sexton might not be any greater than what it is in the here and now. So I could see him being on the move. I don't think the Pistons would be willing to take on that package from the Cavaliers. I think that the Cavaliers would be winning that trade if they got up to the number one pick. Fair enough. Um, you hear the Knicks as well, but I don't think the Knicks are a really good fit with, I, I don't think they're trading RJ Barrett in a Colin Sexton trade. And if not, I don't think that works. No, I don't think it works either. The Knicks are just coming off a really good playoff season. R.J. Barrett is a part of their equation. The fact is Colin Sexton does not have postseason experience. And to me, again, this is someone who's a good scorer. Colin Sexton is a quality asset for a team. But the Cavaliers have to get better. And based on some reports that we've seen in recent weeks, it's got to come sooner than later. I think you've seen most of what you needed to see from Colin Sexton. I don't think that the New York Knicks, Knicks are, are going to be the, the suitable option. I could see a team in the West taking Colin Sexton on as a fourth or fifth option on their team if they believe that they're 
dealing the right value and getting the right value back. I think that the Cavs are going to be very active on draft night. Dan Gilbert wants to see this organization take a step forward, a material step forward this upcoming season. The Cavs cannot continue to be living in the basement. Uh, yeah, you know, 2016 was beautiful, and, and people in Cleveland say there was a grace period with that because, yeah, they did win a championship. But the fact is, the Cavs got to start to show some signs in the wind column here that this rebuild is, in fact, working. And I think that there is uh, pressure on, on Kobe Altman here to make something work this upcoming season. And that might mean moving Colin Sexton. John Fanta, as always, appreciate the time and the insight. Thanks very much, John. Thank you, as always, Dave. Great to be with you. All right, that'll do it for this edition of Sports for CLE. We'll see you again tomorrow at 4 o'clock. Dennis Maniloff and Spencer Schultz, a Ravens reporter, will give us the lowdown on what the Ravens are thinking in the Lamar Jackson contract update. That's all tomorrow at Sports for CLE. We'll see you again at 4. Have a great night, everybody.